to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you, man? Hey, man. I had a crazy weekend. I'm good, though. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it a crazy um, weekend that you can talk about on the, on, you know, episode nine of the no BS short term? Oh yeah. Podcast yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like- absolutely. So, so, you know, we, we're, we're going to this boutique hotel in Portland, right? Uh, the canvas that you see behind me, um, you know, everything's been going good, operationally strong, booked all weekend. I get a call on Friday at about 6 PM, like three, 3 PM Portland time. Hi, I'm here for the wedding party. Uh, we reserve blocks of rooms. Uh, <laughs> we need to know how to check in. No wedding we're party? Not even, we're not even fully open. The previous manager didn't shut down like a booking window. Oh, man. So a wedding party, my brother. And we're packed. We have no rooms. Like, there's nothing we could do. Um, so that was that was fun. I felt really bad for them, but I was just like, oh, somebody needs to do the chronicles of like when when shit goes bad in STR, like because that was one of them. Uh, but I mean, the guy was cool at the end of the day. He knew we're the new management company. It wasn't on us, you know. And you know, we helped them to get somewhere else. But it's crazy. It was like it was like twelve people. I was like, oh, my, I felt bad. I was like, I, I'm like, you know, my house. I <laughs> hope my head of ops is okay. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So that was uh, that was an interesting part of my weekend. One of several. Mine, mine was relatively was um, relatively uneventful, which is great. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm as as you can tell, I'm a little geeked up today. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of our guest today. We I want to go ahead and introduce Jesse Cole. He is the owner of Savannah Banas. He is the author of Find Your Yellow Tux. He's always in a yellow tux. Um, rumor has it he has a minimum of seven yellow tuxes. Um, he's the host of Business Done Differently podcast. He's been a guest on over 500 podcasts. Mr. Jesse Cole, thank you so much for joining us today. What's up, guys? Pumped to be welcome. With you. Welcome. So no, it's, it's sorry. Go, man. I was just gonna say, man, it's great to have you. Uh, for those watching the video, it's man, I, seven suits like that. I, I just need some socks. I would I would love some. Can we get some Savannah banana socks? Like the underwear is going to be interesting to be for those who can see over his left shoulder. I can get you the uh, Dolce and banana underwear. I can get you the Savannah bananas Dolce and banana underwear, but no socks, just underwear. You there know you what, go. man? I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> no, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for coming out. Thanks, guys. So, um, so again, for Jesse, so those that are listening and do not know much about Jesse and what he brings, um, first of all, you're probably living under a rock. Um, second of all, it's, um, it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking a lot about, you know, the similarities between what Jesse does and what we all do in the short-term rental space um, and just how we could bring energy and, and put fans first. Um, and that's, and that's all Jesse's I'll let him describe um, exactly what what he does and what he brings. Um, Again, I'm a huge baseball fan, so I'm super excited to have you. But before we dive into Jesse's story, um, I quickly want to kind of touch uh, the couple things in the news, because that is the uh, what we do news and then culture. Um, Two big things happened. um, And I'm, you know, first of all, to those that are listening, Jesse and his wife, 
um, are owners of three soon to be four or four recently four uh, short-term rentals themselves. Are they all in Tybee, Jesse? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So uh, keeping it, keeping a local there. Way to bring that connection back, John. Yeah, no, I'm I'm here. Uh, So (laughs) Airbnb, Verbo announced this week that they're going to actually be working together, not, not as, um, you know, enemies or, or, uh, you know, it's like the classic Red Sox, Yankees, Airbnb and Verbo, or, or would it be the uh, bananas and Macon bacon? I'm not sure. What is your, uh, what's your, your, the Savannah bananas uh, arch nemesis, Jesse? Yeah, I guess you'd say the bacon. I mean, we have making bacon urinal cakes that our fans pee on every night. And we have making bacon toilet paper. So I guess we would say they are. That's incredible. <laughs> I freaking love that. <laughs> um, so, it, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, as much as uh, Verbo and Airbnb are, are direct competitors, you know, they're in the same space. They're, they're talking to a lot of the same people, a little bit different culture around it. But I think it's kind of cool. They're coming together to I me mean, personally to squash the party atmosphere and, and come up with a game plan on how to go ahead and, and, and combat the, um, the, the, these party homes. I mean, what are your thoughts? I think, I think, I think it's necessary because, you know, one of the, the things we still face as an industry it, it, together united is regulatory issues. Um, and, you know, it's a huge risk you know, depending on where you're at and the at the core of those issues outside of like availability, like housing issues, it's the party houses, right? Like it's the uncontrolled listings. It's the unmanaged. It's the it, it either, and I won't call them professionals because I don't think professionals allow it to happen, but it's the people who refuse to adhere to a standard that the rest of the industry adheres to and that most of the industry adheres to. And so we saw it a lot this summer when we were working through the, the regulation we're still working through here in Atlanta. Most of the issues were party house issues, and they actually passed a party house ordinance. But even with the party house ordinance in place, it was still the crux of the issue that they wanted to discuss when it came to talking about the regulatory framework and what they didn't want. So it's like it, that's what everybody fears. And so to be able to band together, it's going to take that. It's going to take the industry to band together, not just Airbnb and Verbo. It's going to take all of us to really get together to set a standard and hold a standard that's going to allow us to live and operate. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the the unified front is definitely where we're, yeah. we, we need to come in with it. Jesse, as, as a short-term rental owner, um, have you experienced any, any of your properties being um, used in a way that is unbecoming uh, to, to you know, what you as an owner would like to see your properties used at? No, we were unintentionally strategic in buying uh, two small, uh, falling apart, really bad, ugliest, worst places ever and then <laughs> fixing them up. And they're so tiny that I don't think you can really have a party. Um, they, I mean, they're fine, and they've, yeah. but it's always couples and small families. So we were very strategic not to get a big potential party house. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And the, the last thing that I want to touch, because I really want to dive into Jesse here and, mm-hmm. and, and what he brings is, you know, I, I feel for, for Europe, again, just like last week when we were talking about Canada and how different provenances are opening and some are not and the borders are closed. Um, Europe was getting all excited and ready to go ahead and open. And, and I'm speaking very generally. I know that there are different regions that are more open, but overall, um, it's been pushed back another month to where, you know, there's some spikes in COVID over there and there's some different things. And um you know, I, I feel for the you know, the owners and the travelers and, and everyone on the side that and they were getting exci- again getting excited to reopen and and 
you know, put some livelihood into their, their business here. And, and now it is, I mean, safety first, but to what, you know, where, where is that line? You know, is that month going to make a big difference? I'm not sure. The other thing too, John, like you got to understand is like when we were talking to Noelia a couple of weeks ago, right. She brought out something that I hadn't thought about. Right. You know, we live in the U S right. And it, whatever you feel about the vaccine or not, you had access to it. Right. Like you could go drive somewhere and get it. You could go to your doctor and get it. Like there were masks like the Georgia Dome. I mean, not the Georgia Dome, Mercedes Benz here, you know, was a super center. They opened up arenas. When we were talking to Noelia, they were like, oh, yeah, they they did it in age blocks. You had an appointment like people's access to being able to get what is needed to to really open and open safely. Plus, with new variants coming out, like. I don't think we fully understand like how different that is. Right. And then, you know, we, we talked last week with, um, with Canada, right. Yeah. With Canada, she still can't come down. Right. And so like, and that has a major lasting effect her as a business owner on her life. And so think about Europe too. That's the same way, but right. that's something that if we're smart, we have to think about because if it can shut down again, people have to think, Right. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. No, I don't know. But I think if you're smart, you're thinking in these ways. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. How, how did the um, to bring it back here to to the U.S. and well, Jesse, how has the the, the COVID, COVID epidemic and the, the how has that I, I know it made things a little difficult last year. And you, and you put a, a you kind of thought, again, like always thinking outside the box, you put this crazy uh, invented banana ball, um, brought it to, you know, different, I, I voted heavily to bring it to Fort Wayne and it, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I'm waiting to see that come, but, um, t- for, tell us your story, Jesse, you know, tell us about, tell us about you bring that energy. You said you're going to bring. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're coming off, you know, talking about COVID and how it affected, but you know, I mean, literally, I mean, obviously it affected our team. It affected our Airbnb. Yeah. IB Island was shut down, but you know, again, it's all your mindset. Your mindset's everything. And uh, you focus on your inputs, your input affects your output. So for instance, I, I wasn't watching the news. I wasn't watching all that stuff. I was focused on what we need to do. So that affected us in a positive way. I woke up every morning optimistic. My word for the year was optimistic. My word, my wife's word was grateful. So every morning we wrote thank you letters. We're optimistic and it changed everything. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, Airbnbs, Tybee Island was shut down. They didn't allow any Airbnbs for almost six weeks. Yeah. we were still had a better year last year than we did the previous year. Right, and, it, right. and it's because you say, Hey, you look at this, Oh, the world's struggle. What are we going to do? Or just say, no, how are we going to make it better? And how are you gonna make a better experience? Not how you're going to charge more, make a better experience. And so we use that same approach with our Airbnbs that we did with our team. It was just, Hey, uh, so what now what? And that was the mindset. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, for us, I mean, obviously going back quickly last year, yeah, we couldn't play at full capacity. Um, for the listeners who don't know the full story, um, do you want me to quickly share that, John? Please, yeah, please do. Yeah, yes. Please, please. All right. All right. So, uh, you know, I, for the people watching, it's like, oh, this guy's in a yellow tuxedo. He's a circus boy. He was running a baseball team. He was doing some Airbnbs on the side. Why should I listen to this guy? I don't blame you. Um, I, I really had no idea what I was doing with a baseball team. I had no idea what we we're doing with Airbnbs, but we, we again, uh, figured it out. And I think uh, the best way is get experience and try things, test things, experiment things uh, with things. So here's what happened to us. I was a baseball guy my whole life. So, John, like you, I loved baseball. Um, 
And I was fortunate to get a full college scholarship, D1 baseball. Uh, I was starting every Friday night, a two-way guy. Uh, by my sophomore year, I was getting letters. I remember I got Christmas cards every year from the New York Mets, uh, Padres, the, the Braves. I was like, all right, I'm going to have a chance to do this. Um, even though I didn't play that well in college, I put so much pressure on myself. I took the game way too serious because I was like the scholarship guy I had to deliver. That I didn't play yeah. as well, but I still had the opportunity. Till my senior year, tore my shoulder, boom, just like that, tore everything. It ended my career, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, what happened was I thought I was going to go into coaching, and I sat in the dugout coaching in the Cape Cod League with the best players in the country, right. and I was bored out of my mind. I was in the best seat <laughs> in the house, bored out of my mind. I was like, this game is long. I would be counting down the minutes till it was over. I was like, man, when is this game going to be over? I was like, big difference from playing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I got an opportunity to become a GM of a team. Uh, right out of college, right after that coaching opportunity. And how do you get offered the job as a GM? Well, it's the worst team in the entire country. No one wanted the job. I mean, it was <laughs> it was in Gastonia, North Carolina. The first mm -hmm. day I showed up, um, there was $268 in the bank account. And that's not a joke. I've said it numerous times. I looked at the bank. I said, $268. We had three full-time employees and payroll was on Friday. And then I found out that only 200 fans were coming to the games. And then I found out the team had lost $150,000 the previous year. When your total revenue is only 100,000 and you're losing 150, this is not a good business. No, mm -mm. no, no, no. That's so what I did going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So what I did there quickly is I, uh, I said, all right, well, there's no other option. I took this job as GM. I got to find a way. So I read every book from PT Barnum, every book on Walt Disney, every book on marketing, creating attention. I could, I read more books in a month than I read in my entire high school, college career because I had no other options. I couldn't pay myself. Mm -hmm. I went three months without paying myself. So right. finally I realized that no one liked baseball. Sorry, John. Very few people liked baseball. And, <laughs> and, and I was like, we can't be a baseball team. So I called the owner of the team. I said, we're no longer going to be a baseball team. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, it's going to be a circus and a baseball game is going to break out. He goes, what are you talking about, Jesse? I go, our players are going to do choreographed dances every single game. He goes, what? I go, yeah. And we're going to have grandma beauty pageants. We're going to do flatulence fun nights. Salute to underwear nights. I'm going to get in the dunk tank every game. We're going to serve garbage can nachos on top of a garbage can lid. It will be a circus. You never know what to expect. He goes, all right, Jesse, whatever you say, I don't think it's going to work, but I go, do we have any other options? He goes, no. So we started trying it. And all of a sudden we went to a thousand fans a game, 1500 fans a game, 2000 fans a game until 2014. We were a fourth in the entire country in attendance, turned it into a million dollar franchise. And, uh, my wife and I, who I met in the industry, um, the one girl who will literally dress up in a hot dog costume all game, doesn't care what anybody thinks. I was like, I love this girl. That's this love. Oh, that's love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's love. This girl's amazing. So it was in 2014, uh, last game of the year, sold out crowd in Gastonia. I stopped the game in the sixth inning. I put a, I had a ring inside a baseball. I thanked everyone on the field. I said, last but not least, uh, our director of fun, Emily McDonald. And I gave a soliloquy and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, nobody people know, but we met right here for the first time on this field in front of my family, in front of your family, in front of our entire baseball family. You make me the luckiest guy in the world. And I dropped to a knee, opened up the baseball, had a ring. She ran over, hugged me, surprise fireworks show in the sixth inning of the game. We stopped the game. I mean, literally just the whole game. The umpires are like, are we going to play eventually? I'm like, no, this is our moment. This is our moment. Yeah. Thank goodness she said yes. And uh, that night, I didn't realize after I fell asleep after that long game, crazy night, she planned a trip to Savannah, Georgia. I never been, and we've heard great things. So we went to Savannah, Georgia the next weekend, came to the city, 
and went to this ballpark, which right now I'm underneath the stadium, the bowels of the stadium right now. And 1926 ballpark, we showed up. It was a beautiful Saturday night, 80 degrees. The New York Mets, ironic, affiliate was playing the minor league team. We walk in and I see the big brick columns. You could feel the history coming out of the ballpark. And I walk up the steps to the grandstand. It's almost game time. And I look around. There were less than 100 people in the crowd. And I was like, mm. what is going on? And I sat down and you can almost picture guys like the scene in a movie with a tumbleweed going through, like yeah. it was bad. And I called the commissioner that night and I said, if this team leaves, we're coming to the stadium. We're calling this market. And he's like, sure, Jesse, whatever you say. And uh, lo and behold, they wanted a brand new stadium. City said no. And we convinced the city to let us come to Savannah. And that's when we proceeded to fail miserably and then eventually turn it around. So that's kind of the, the spark notes of how we got to where we are in this story. And I can keep going, but I want to give you guys a chance. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's no. what it's about. And that's... I think that's where we're going to go ahead and, and, and see, you know, our, again, for those that have been listening, you know, th- this is only our ninth episode in, in how we've differentiated ourselves and in coming into the space, you know, Mateo and I on the no BS short term yeah. podcast is we wanted to differentiate and not be a tips and tricks. With that said, we're a little slight pivot here because I think there's so much like amazing tidbits of knowledge and nuggets that you can take out of this that yes, our tips and our tricks on, on, and, and can be applied to absolutely everything um, in, in the short-term rental space from, you know, us, you know, from the homeowners that are listening to the property managers, to all our vendor friends that are, that are in this space, you know, you know, Teo and I are both, you know, we're work for specific vendors. We're not necessarily property manager. We're not actual homeowner. Well, we are homeowners. Mateo does run a boutique, boutique hotel. <laughs> so I rewind. Um, but there's so much we're going to be able to pull out of, out of this interview today. And so we appreciate you coming here. So Jesse owns how many now? Three, four, four teams. No, oh, not teams. Oh. Back to short-term rental. Sorry. Four. I, I own three yeah. rentals. We just bought our fourth four. uh, nice. went under contract this past week. Okay. So t- what, what do you think, you know, so t- talk about fans first. No, so, I, yeah. What's up? So, so long story short, bring it all back together. We came to Savannah. We acted like everyone else and our, we, mm-hmm. we tried to fit in like everyone else. We tried to market like everyone else. We were nervous. We were the new kid on the block. We weren't, we weren't crazy enough. I wasn't wearing the yellow tuxedo and we sold two tickets in our first three months. I heard you were wearing the yellow tuxedo though when you dropped on one knee. I was in Gastonia. And then I came yeah, to Savannah nice and I was scared because it was a bigger market. They had professional baseball and I didn't want to wear it right away. So I tried to fit in and it failed miserably. Two mm-hmm. tickets. The first three months, we marketed like everyone else. We were trying to be like everyone else. And then so bad on January of 2016, phone call, we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. Mm. My wife turns to me and says, we have to sell our house. And we had our dream house in Charlotte next to our team in Gastonia. You know, perfect backyard, fire pit, hot tub. It was like our dream house. We just mm-hmm. got married. We sold it. And then we went down to Tybee and I went down to Savannah. We had to find a a pretty much a dump that we could live in to invest in the team. And we found one place in Tybee that was on the market for four years. It went down over $150,000. It was like nothing. And I walked in. I said, nope, nope, no way. No. So we bought it. (laughs) Weren't you living? I tried to do a little. Weren't you living uh, or sleeping on air mattresses for the first few months? Oh yeah, we had an air bed and I had to sleep with socks because there were cockroaches every night. And the floor was so disgusting. It was the nastiest place I've ever seen. And we had to we had to go grocery shopping on $30 a week. And between us, that's 42 meals, 21 meals a week, 42 meals, uh, $30 at Walmart, which is not even real food. That's how bad it was. And it was right. until that we changed our whole mindset. So you know what? We're going to go all in, all in on fans first, all in on attention. We're going to get the eyes and ears first, and then we're going to get the hearts. 
And when you think about even the short-term rental, first, you're going to get the eyes and ears. You know, you could be the best short-term rental in the world, but if you're not getting in front of people, good luck. Get in front of people first. And then when they experience you, game over if you go all in. And so what we did is we, we named the team after a fruit. And we became the first team called the Savannah Bananas, obviously. But we came up with a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. You know, we came up with a male cheerleading team called the Mananas. You know, we named our mascot Split. We have Dolce and Banana Underwear, Frozen Banana, Banana Beer, Slippery Banana Drinks. We went all in on being crazy. But more than anything, we went all in on what a fan's first experience is. And this was the biggest game changer. I think... The future of business, short-term rentals, any type of business is not based on how many customers you have. It's based on how many fans you have. Customers are transactional. They come and go, but fans never leave. And the biggest difference is right now, so many people are chasing followers, likes. Love is better than like. It's better to have 100 people that absolutely love you than thousands that kind of like you. Kind of like you is how you go out of business. Mm-hmm. That's a difference in in, yeah. in our space as a re, someone that's re, a repeat booker, a return booker, as a someone that's just going to go and book and then go check. You know, you want to keep it. It's that retention. Yeah, I mean Emily yeah. on her rentals, banana properties, and we name them all. You know, we got the blue banana, breezy banana, banana teal because it's teal. <laughs> uh, we've got all banana names, banana properties. Um, she's got I don't know two hundred, three hundred, five star, uh, five stars, and I would say about fifty return that just you know text her, we're coming back, we're coming back, we're coming back, and it's because she used that same mindset that we used here. So again, yeah. the, the the mindset to how do you deliver a fan's first experience? What we realized the number one starting point, the number one thing is to eliminate the friction, eliminate the frustrations. We actually have the five E's that I share in a lot of keynotes and I share with a lot of real estate and realtors and the five E's. Number one, eliminate friction. We realized in baseball, it's too long, too slow, too boring. You get nickel and dime to the ballpark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So what do we do? That's where we brought in a full pep band, a breakdancing first base coach, the senior citizen dance team. It's nonstop entertainment. We have five stages at our ballpark, the parking lot where we have entertainment, the plaza, the concourse, the grandstands and seating and the field. It's nonstop. We have a Mm -hmm. cast of over 50 people. So we changed that. Then we said, you get nickel and dimed. So think about this. This is what is brutal about Airbnb and VRBO. This is the challenge we have. How many times before COVID, you would buy tickets on Ticketmaster or whatever, and it's a $50 ticket to a concert. And you're like, how is this $67.50? And then you look and they have ticket fees and convenient fees, which are the most inconvenient fee in the world. Convenient fees, eliminate them. And it's everywhere. And we had a decision to go with Ticketmaster, Ticket Return, and do all these ticket fees. And they said, oh, no, you just put it on your customer. I go, that is not fans first. So we found our own ticket company. And we said, you know what? We're going to do no ticket fees, no convenient fees. Boom. An $18 ticket gets all your burgers, all your hot dogs, all your chicken sandwiches, all your soda, all your water, all your popcorn, all your dessert, all night long. We don't shut it off early. We don't stop it at certain times. It's all night long. And that fans first mentality we kept building with our team. Now, no shipping fees. And not only do you get when you get a shirt, you get a custom yellow box, the delivered fresh stamp and a free koozie, a free decal, yellow custom paper with a little note that says it's been sprinkled with potassium. All right. It's layered. <laughs> you, get a, you get a video sent to you. And now our merchandise has become a seven figure business. So what's happened because of all these fans first experiences that we've delivered, we've sold out every single game from just mm-hmm. selling two tickets to now there's a wait list over 8,000. And every night people come in from all over the country. We had a family that came to me after a game last year during COVID and said, oh, this was so much fun. I go, oh, thank you. You know, where'd you guys come from? They said, oh, we drove 40 hours from Utah for this game. We're driving 40 hours back tomorrow. And it was everything yeah. we hoped it would be. Yeah. I go, that is crazy. And I love you. That's a difference. Yeah. Love is better than like. And I think Emily's built that into our short-term rentals. And if we change the mindset from customers, clients, even guests to fans, 
That's yeah, what you yeah. put all those things. How do you create fans? It's a different conversation. Not how do you create more revenue this year? How do you not right. you know, increase your wages? How do you create fans? The fans take care of the revenue. Sorry, that was a rampage. No, nah, man, that's exactly, I, I was going. When you, you had mentioned that earlier in, uh, that's a stroke of genius in, in terms of, you know, people need to believe in you. Um, you know, everyone was, everyone's talking about, oh, choose who's going to win between Airbnb and VRBO. And my answer to that is always the same. Whoever the fan, whoever the guests yeah. love more, right? Yeah. Whoever the guests like more, whoever the guest repeatedly uses. Whoever delivers a better experience. The simple as that. Yep. Whoever delivers a better experience, whoever makes it easier and more yep. enjoyable. And I'll challenge you here, Mateo, here's a big thing. Most people talk about, um, you know, they say, uh, I, we're in the entertainment business. You know, everyone's like, oh, you're in the baseball business. I'm like, no, we're in the entertainment business. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone's in the entertainment business. And they're like, no, 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 no. We can't wear a yellow tux. I go, no, I had, I'm not smart enough. I had to look up the definition. The definition of entertain is to provide enjoyment and to provide amusement. Mm. Aren't we all in that business? I would argue every single host, every property manager, yeah. you are in the entertainment business. How do you entertain every step of the way? And when you do that, that's how you create fans. Yeah. What? What I, what, what really intrigued me about, about your story, and it was, and I can't remember what article I was reading, but it was talking about the second, again, you mentioned your five sta you know, stages, and the second that someone would come into your parking lot, the experience starts. I mean, it starts beforehand. It, 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 the experience starts before they even get their experience starts on the website or, you know, listening on the radio or however they, but, but the second they come into the parking lot, that experience starts to the second they leave, you know, like in, in your, the team you built around you is super important to go ahead and to make this happen. And, and, and especially the same in, in our space, you know, when, when you have your team members that are willing to go ahead and put on in your cheerleaders and put on in your man leaders or whatever, <laughs> the bananas, the dad bod bananas or, or whatever, <laughs> but they're cheering till the last person leaves the parking lot, goes home for that. That's absolutely astonishing. Oh. And no one else does it. Well, it, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, and it's, it's taken us 15 years here. Here's the, here's the deal. The last impression leaves a lasting impression. Often people sometimes get the first impression, right? But the last impression, like, Oh, they've already paid. We're good. Right. All right. That's where you really make fans. And you make fans when things go wrong too. You know, I mean, again, our, if you look at our reviews, people I often see, uh, we went to a game, it poured rain. Uh, they didn't throw a pitch, but it was the most fun we've ever had at a baseball game. We have a three page rain delay script where we literally have entertainment decked out for two hours to entertain in the grandstand. That didn't happen the first 14 years. That's happened right. now because we put ourselves in our customer's shoes. And, and John, I'll challenge you on this. You're not challenge. I'll just say, hey, you, you, you talked about the first impressions when the people come up to our, the, the, we have parking penguins. Yes, that parked your car, which doesn't make any sense, but we think it's funny. Um, you're right. It happens before that. And so for us, we realize that when people go on our website and they buy, most times you buy something, a ticket, and you get a boring payment confirmation. We said, that is not fans first. That's not entertaining. That doesn't provide enjoyment or provide amusement. So every year we record a new video. That as soon as they buy, they get a video sent to them. And now the one I was a part of two years ago, they did a new one this year, but the one I was a part of, it opens with me at my desk and it says, congrats, you just made the best decision in your day. Right now, as your ticket order came in, a high priority siren went off at our stadium and our Benaniacs rushed to the ticket laboratory to, to produce 
your tickets. And then a banana nana slowly walked in and hand selected your tickets and placed them on a silk pillow. And we raised the silk pillow up in the air and saying, nah, Savannah, nah, to celebrate the birth of a new fan. And then we walked our tickets down to our vault where they're in maximum security waiting for you to go bananas. And that's the first impression. And then after they get that, they get a thank you call from one of our fan, from one of our team members saying, hey, thank you. Can't wait to have you go bananas. And then we send a playlist of music to listen to on the way to the game with banana themed songs to pump you up for the game. We didn't do this in the beginning. Right but now you think about if someone is booking with you, I understand it's different if they're booking through Airbnb or VRBO. But what happens next? The text message, the message you send them, what do they get? You know, that's such a great opportunity. And one of the best lessons I learned was from Magic Castle Hotel, who teaches, listen carefully, respond creatively. If they're staying at your house, you know things about them. Who's coming? Do they have a dog? What are they doing? Are they celebrating something? That's an opportunity to really wow when you ask those questions. And so we've learned that. So Emily knows so much about people. So we have all these gifts ready based on what they're celebrating, whether they have kids coming in, whether it's anniversary. And that's how you really wow by listen carefully, respond creatively. That can happen on that first impression if you listen and ask the right questions. Yeah, absolutely. So my, this is what interests me all the time, right? Because you mentioned something before, the customer, consumers get nickel and dime to death. And that's what I think was brilliant about your experience is you actually provide something that gives them what they expect, right? Maximum value for your dollar, right? Because if I look at my cell phone bill, right? Like AT&T is not throwing a magic script about how I just paid my cell phone bill, right? Or just bought this new phone, right? And I'm getting nickel and dime to death, right? I look at, I, I try not to look at the bill, but every time I look at the bill, there's a million dollar charges. You know, that's AT&T, right? They're not in hospitality. They don't care, right? At the end of the day. As hospitality scales and grows, right? One of the challenges we face in this industry is how do you keep that touch, right? Because, you know, vacation rentals, it starts with a very small touch creating, you know, that, that small feel, but when you grow to two, three thousand homes, you know, you're, you're, you grow into a space. How do you, how do you keep that? Like in, in how do you not, you know, lose that? Cause at a certain point, traditional business has made it just about revenue, right? Like at the end of the day and the guest experience becomes less and less of a priority. Not that it doesn't have to be good, because you got to keep the guest, but not really capturing the guest and building that. Oh, I want to come back to this feeling, right? Like, well, I, I, I so first of all, I think there's a good thing you talk about expectations, and you mm-hmm. know, people always ask, you know, what, what's your, you know, you don't have competition in Savannah. I start laughing. I go, yes, we compete against ourselves. There's no direct sports teams yet. We're competing against Amazon, Chick Fil A. Netflix, Ritz Carlton, Disney, every single day, you're competing on the expectations. So yes, when I'm working with my banker or mortgage and they say, oh, it'll be $15 to fax that to you. I start laughing because someone in corporate made, someone corporate made a decision to say, hey, if we charge fax, we could make another 100, 500 million, whatever it is. And they didn't say, oh, could we create fans? So I guess, Mateo, I don't have hundreds of properties. We have four properties, Um, but we do We do have hundreds of thousands of fans. And, you know, right now it's funny. We actually have more TikTok followers than every single major league baseball team, which is hilarious that a little yeah. college summer team, but we have hundred thousand fans. And so control what you can control. I learned this from Walt Disney. When he was getting ready to open Disneyland, he, he visited every single theme park 
And every theme park, you know, they had a system. They said, well, why would you build a castle? Why would you spend so much on landscaping? That doesn't bring any money. Wait, you're going to have one entrance instead of five, six entrances? That doesn't make sense. And he said, no, I want to have one entrance because just like a movie, I want to control the opening shot and I want to control the Mm -hmm. final shot. And when they walk in, he had everything so intentional where the popcorn would be, where they'd be walking under the tunnel, where they would see the railroad tracks, where they would see the landscape, and then they'd see the castle. It was so intentional. So what Mm -hmm. I challenge people is control what you can control. For our 100,000 fans, we control the opening shot. We control the email they get. We control the call they get. And we control how they show up to our ballpark. We have one entrance. You better believe at 525, we have our march where our pet band leads out all the players, leads our banana nanas. And we see camera after camera, phone after phone, taking video because they're getting that opening experience. So how can you, as you build out, this is how the process starts. When you buy, when you book, this is what happens. And go one thing at a time. Win the beginning. You know, win the first step. Get people excited. When people come to our ballpark, they have an anticipation because we've already set the tone of what to expect. Set the tone that you guys will be different than anyone else. And that's how you start to win the experience. And they will give you the benefit of the doubt if something was missed in the cleaning or something wasn't right or the AC's gone down, which has happened numerous times because Emily already set the tone in the beginning that she cares and we're not like everyone else. Right. The nice thing about our space too is there in, in the vendors and everyone that's working in our space, there's so much amazing tech that's getting developed and, and, yeah. and enhanced every day. And every year there's a new amazing tech thing that comes out that allows this touch and allows this experience to be built from the beginning as long as it's being adopted and maintained and continued there. Everyone gets excited. So I work for um, uh, one of these tech companies, uh, you know, so we give a lot of, you know, this is where the part I come from, but if it's interesting to see these property managers and our property managers range from 50 properties to 4,000 properties that come Mm -hmm. in with, with our tech stack that, that we sell. The ones that don't adopt it and don't use it and don't maintain it, they, they get all excited about the bells and whistles and they purchase it, but then they don't use it to its fullest potential. And then they're like, why isn't this working? Well, you, you got to maintain. You have to go ahead and use it as, you know, th- there's, there's best practices. Um, and then not only maintain the best practices, then make it your own. You know, th- this tech, if you use, and you're using tech on your end. You know, and, th- and that's, you know, that whole, the welcome emails and the, the phone calls. And I think that a big part of, in our space, especially on the, in all spaces, that tech can't go ahead and replace personal touch. Mm-hmm. I think there's, but it, but it has to be there. There has to be a nice, even meld of the two to make it personal. Would you agree I mean, with that? Yeah, I, I think human connection, we will always be hungry for. We learned that the last couple of years during COVID as much as anything. We will need human connection. But the number one thing now, people, um, they want things easy. They want things easier. You know, I think Jeff Bezos got asked the question. He goes, what's going to change in, the t- in 10 years? He goes, that's the wrong question. What's not going to change? And he goes, people are going to want a wider selection at better prices that are more convenient. And, and that's how they built Amazon's business, by focusing on what's not going to change. People are going to still want human connection to an extent. Um, you know, I, I think obviously ease is number one because how much human connection do we have with Amazon? And Amazon is dominating the world because people want things easier, faster, quicker, number one. But then that'll also drive people in their life to have more human connection. And I think if you marry the two, 
it's game over. I don't want to go to a restaurant where there's no waiter, no waitress, and I just do a touchscreen. I actually don't want that. I want to be around people, be together. And I think that's where um, an Airbnb can be a lot different than a hotel. Because I don't think hotels have that. Hotels try to, hey, we can save money here by eliminating this position. We just animate, uh, you know, automate this, automate, automate, automate. You're going to automate yourself out of business if you keep doing that. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, man, that, you know, you saw like Disney had it, right? Like when you look at scaling something to a a global scale of, of something that people love, I'm a Disney. I'm the. I, I love Disneyland. Like I, I think of every time I think about walking into Disneyland, it makes me feel good. It remember, I remember my like. I will. I'll still want to go back. Like yeah. as an adult. Like, and so like I think that is that that was a gem right there because I think hospitality can learn a lot from from Walt Disney in terms of how he created that lasting effect yeah. and and what they can do at scale, right? Because he didn't do things small. Like he, he did it big. Yeah. yeah. But it all started with steps. It started, you know, you got to go back. I mean, he started with just small uh, pictures, then animation, yeah. then a full length animated with Snow White, then the park, then Disney World. And, you know, he kept building. So it starts somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I think one big thing that helped us is we realized what word mattered most to us and how do you may want to make people feel? And, you know, for Disney, it was the happiest place on earth. Right? That was Disney. For us, you know, we're guided. It's on our website. We make baseball fun. So that's why our bathrooms, the male urinals are urinal cakes of our rival, making bacon, because we don't want to have chandeliers because we're not elegant. We're fun. You know, that's why we have our pep band literally do walk up entrances for the players coming up to the plate. You know, that's why. Yeah, that that we just showed that the other day. I love that. And I wanted to ask you that if you're walking up to the plate today and you have your pep band, I know my answer. I thought about this. What would your what would your walk up song be? Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. That, that's a good question. That's a good question. You know, when I played uh, when I played baseball, I came out to uh, Jesse's Girl uh, and then I came out to Black or White by MJ and then the Halo theme song, which was very weird. The Gregarian chants. Um, but when you go to a band, it's a hard question because the band, you want to be the full band sound. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah. What, what's yours, John? So, the funny thing you just said, MJ, mine's MJ, too, but it's Smooth Criminal. Ah, so I like it. Two, and, and I'm not sure if it would be. Um, but I'm not sure if it would be, it might be more alien ant farm, full uh, band, smooth yeah, criminal walk up it. to the back. How about you, Taya? Oh man. If we're going full band. Yeah. Ooh, full pep band. I mean, going like a full pep band. Then I feel like it's gotta be like, it's either gotta be like outcast, like bombs over Baghdad, like the, like the band version, yeah. um, either that or like some earth, wind and fire. Cause they, they are just killing uh-huh. the horns the band. Oh yeah. You can't beat it. So like mix it up. Good, good tangent there. But, but, <laughs> but the, the reality is like for, for us, when you're guided by a word, when you're guided by how you want to make people feel, it makes every decision easier. And so we don't, we don't, our decisions aren't guided by how do we make more money? It's how do we create more fans and how do we create more fun? And so that guides everything. So it makes it very, very easy to do all these big wild things. It's why I have an idea book every day. I do 10 ideas because I'm guided by the, how do you make the ballpark and the experience more fun? It's awesome. That's it. I, do you have anything like for the specifically for the short-term rental space, for the vacation rental space and, you know, for the, you know, the, the small homeowner and, or, or, you know, the ones that have a hundred plus properties, you know, property management companies, do you have outside of obviously fans first? Yeah. 
do you have like a like a nugget that you'd like to go ahead and and, and leave us with? I think the best way, uh, if you want better answers in business life, you got to ask better questions. And so, one question that I ask most business owners that I work with, and it's probably very it's very difficult for them to answer. What makes you different? And and I'm going to ask that question. Then, can you answer it in a way that people want to share it? So for instance, I'll give you some tips. If, if you go to our website on our About Us, we have all the things that make us different from our breakdancing first base coaches to our grandma coaches, to the fact that we play in kilts, to the fact that we have no sponsorship at all in our stadium, we limited all sponsorship. And these are all talking points that make people want to experience a bananas game. And so, you know, with, with the short-term rentals, what makes you different? What are those special touches? What are you known for? And a lot of times it's like, oh, we have a cool property. We're on the beach. Well, there's lots of cool properties on the beach. Right. What's that little extra touch that they get with you that they don't get with anyone else? You know, we, we've always done, we've had a special banana beer. We've had special custom cookies. We have special, um, uh, cream soda. <laughs> we have banana cream soda. We have magnets. We're going to do banana koozies and there's always a little nice touch. And then you can do for one, what you wish you could do for many as Andy Stanley says, and that's when you listen, carefully respond creatively. You hear they are coming in. It's their first time as a whole family coming together since COVID. They're excited to celebrate this. Invest that money, you know, invest that money. And our team, our Savannah Bananas, we spend 1% of our top line revenue on our own people. We spend even probably more on our fans, but 1% on our people. As just special, we send our people to Ireland, we do cruises, we uh, go shopping for them, we do shopping sprees, all that stuff. What if you spent 5%, 2%, 3%, I don't care what the number is, to wow your guests and turn them into fans. Create a, a creating fan budget for 3%. If you're going to do 100,000, 50,000, can you spend 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 on doing things that create fans? And then it doesn't care what you charge in the next year, the next year, the next year. They want to come back because you care about them. And you make up the ROI is outrageous. So that's maybe my, that was a elongated answer there. What makes you different? What do you want to be known for? And then start making plans to do that. Great, great information. Great guest. Love having the energy. Um, Thank you so much for joining us for the, well, first season, episode nine. We're, we're excited. We're, we're, uh, we're trying to be different. You know, we're trying to, you know, not be what everyone else is. And, and I, I think, you know, if you were to ask either Mateo and I, we, we'd have a good answer for that. You know, we do have a good answer for that question. You know, it's, it's uh, not trying. We're doing it. We're doing, so, you know, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's culture, news and culture, not tips and tricks. Um, mm-hmm. And because there's, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Um, and we have a lot to learn. We're excited to keep learning. We're, and we're super stoked that you were able to join us, Jesse. Thank you so much. So much fun. Love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.